Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, broadcasting today from the Nebraska Pork Expo and the Nebraska Pork Producers Association's annual meeting that is taking place in York, Nebraska. Lots of things that we're going to have to take a look at. A lot of outside market influences, shall we say. A big focus of what's going on in this market trade today, of course, has been the Black Sea, not only the Black Sea Grain Initiative, but those headlines that keep popping up and cause the markets where we saw a pullback then an explosion no pun intended, um, when you look at how these are reacting to the information coming out of that area. Well, let's take a look at uh, what's going to happen with trying to hold on to these gains. These are some weather concerns as we move into this next week, as many in the Midwest have been blessed with some beautiful weather. Unfortunately, some of that rainy weather has brought with it hail. Lots of factors that we'll look at today as Arlen Suderman joins us. Arlen is with Stonex, and we really got to start out, Arlen, with this Black Sea region because it just seems like every Every few hours, something new is popping up across the headlines, and the markets are obviously reacting. Yeah, they really are. And if you look at the Black Sea, obviously the the Russian invasion of Ukraine started in late February of 2022, and we saw the big explosion of prices at that point because of worries, because Ukraine is a major provider of food grains to the world, and what would happen with that? And then the world kind of adjusted, and, and even when exports were almost non-existent in Ukraine, the world kind of adjusted because we had supplies at the time coming from other places, and so the prices started working their way lower. The focus was recession, etc. cetera. Um, and then Ukraine developed some export uh, paths uh, over land and were able to move grain over land and then the black sea grain initiative a year ago allowed grain to move out of three ports in southern ukraine and uh, russia promised safe passage um in in the united nation also for kind of protecting safe passage of those ships in and out through the safe corridors and they would were able to move about four or five million metric tons per month through those safe corridors and another 2 million metric tons or so over land and other routes. So that allowed a lot of grain to move. So it's been kind of talked about now for some weeks that Russia may not allow the, the grain initiative to continue. And on Monday, which is the final day of the agreement, they officially said we're pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Agreement. Uh, and uh, so the market really didn't care at that point. Uh, because they felt like uh, they were listening to Ukraine say, we're going to continue without Russia's participation. Uh, we're working with the United Nations, with Turkey. They were uh, working on a safe corridor that would kind of hug the coast going from these three ports, go ahead toward Romania, and then curl out in the Black Sea into Romanian waters, uh, from Romanian waters and, and allow ships, therefore, to continue to move. They were prepared to subsidize insurance costs of those shippers. Uh, if there was anything that happened to a ship, etc. And uh, maybe what they did wrong was they bragged about it a little bit too much, if anything. So that kind of signaled to the market that we're going to continue to see grain moving out of Ukraine. Uh, but we also saw uh, on Monday night, uh, our time, Russia attack uh, facilities near the Odessa ports. Uh, that was followed up by another attack on Tuesday night. Uh, now the key question is, will there be another attack Wednesday night? 
if Russia allows grain to continue to move out of Ukraine through the ports, then that makes them look weak and takes away a big negotiating um, strength position that they had. So been expecting them to do something. What are their options? Their options are to hit a ship, making shippers, even if their insurance is taken care of, still reluctant to take that risk to go into those waters or to hit the ports. Now, Russia has came out today with a headline saying that they will consider starting at midnight tonight any ship moving toward a Ukraine port as potentially carrying military equipment and considered a potential target. That's a threat. But what they've actually done to this point is to attack the ports. So if you attack the ports, first of all, that's the less of the two evils in the world of public opinion than attacking a ship in all likelihood. And if you attack the port so that they can't function, it doesn't matter what kind of safe corridors you have in the water, you still can't move grain. And so Russia, in all appearance, is taking a position that we're going to make sure grain doesn't move out of the ports of Ukraine. It may still be able to move one and a half to two million metric tons through other avenues over land to the west, etc. But Europe is fighting that already because European farmers don't like the competition. And so it's essentially looking like a long-term play now in order to take that grain off the market. So as you look at that, that big picture, obviously that's going to have a huge consumption of what our markets are looking at. Should something like this happen in the overnight, what type of reaction do you think we might see uh, from the grain complex? Well, let's go back to the reaction we've had this so far. As on Monday, the market said, we don't care because we think Ukraine's going to still ship. And right now we're getting a lot of cheap wheat out of Russia and cheap corn out of Brazil, so it doesn't matter. In the short term, long term, we'll see the grain move. Well, what this has said is Russia has every intention of stopping grain movement long term, and it says the war is still escalating. And so what that means is the risk cannot be denied that something might happen in retaliation to Russia's ability to export as well, and that would be a game changer. And now every, all those funds who had short corn and short wheat positions are trying to get out the door. This is a short covering rally right now. All right. We'll stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. We'll talk about China and some struggles that they're having. I saw that talked about during Arlen's midday comments as well. More is coming up just around the corner. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced channel seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex, and we are broadcasting from the Nebraska Pork Producers Annual Meeting and Pork Expo taking place in York. We'll talk about the livestock here in a moment, but a few more things to look at from a grain side is, Arlen, you had put um, during your midday, uh, or actually your morning commentary, excuse me, talking about China's economic struggles. They do continue 
How do you see that affecting agriculture at this point? Well, I do think that's important long-term because obviously China is the world's largest importer of commodities, and so that's a real concern. Um, it, so we look at their economy, it's really struggling. They are an export-based economy and that is heavily dependent upon exports to the United States and to Europe. But both the United States and the Europe, lacking trust in China's intentions, are decoupling from China. In other words, they're looking for alternative sources for the goods and services that they import from China. And China is building coalitions with other countries, mostly in Asia and elsewhere. Um, but the, the growth in that demand, that trade, is not near enough to offset what they're losing in the United States and Europe. So what China is also trying to do is to spur domestic demand, consumer demand in China. The problem is China's consumer now has no confidence in the economy. They're really struggling to, to get that consumption up because the consumer is worried about the future. Will they have jobs? Unemployment has been an issue, etc. Well, if you look at the sector, one of the most highly regulated sectors in China is a technology sector. And that all combined, when you include everybody who's involved in one way or the other with it, is a quarter of China's workforce. Uh, and so like 124 million people right there. So China is lifting some of the regulations off of that sector to try to spur it on because if they can create jobs there, that should start to spur some domestic demand. But countering that, they are prioritizing the success of state-owned enterprises. And that goes against everything needed in order to get outside foreign investment into China. And China's economy is still dependent on foreign investment. Dollars coming from the United States, investment dollars from the United States and from Europe. And in order to get that money, they had to promise to support the private sector. But when they make their state-owned enterprises the priority, that's going to upset some of those foreign investors who've been putting money into it and cause more mistrust in the United States and Europe with China's intentions. So it really looks like China really doesn't know how to manage an economy right now, and that raises long-term concerns. Now, people will still eat. There will still be demand for the food-based commodities, but because of these rising tensions with the United States and Europe, they're going to take as much of that business as they can toward Brazil and toward the other BRIC nations. Um, and that's why we're seeing very weak U.S. corn and soybean export demand right now is Brazil is producing and they have those bushels available to send to China. Jump over to the livestock side of this cattle market. Obviously, the way the corn has been ebbing and flowing has continued to cause the feeders to go lower. We sit and wait on some real strong cash development to take place. Kind of what's your feel on this livestock in general today? Yeah, I think what really hit me is obviously feeder cattle getting hit by the high corn prices, but not to the extent that you may think. And what that tells me is the underlying factor is still the tightness of supply. And we're going to get a cattle inventory report on Friday along with the cattle on feed report. Uh, and the potential for that to show that we're just continuing to shrink the cow herd. We're continuing to shrink the available supply of cattle going into the feedlots. That's going to be with us for the next several years. We're going to be tight. Beef production in 2024 is expected to be down 9% year on year. And that's from this year where we're already down. So we've got a lot of problems once we start holding back heifers and rebuilding that cow herd um, longer term. So that's helping to underline this market even on a down day. 
Um, when it comes to the pork market, we're still trying to readjust this market to the California's Prop 12 with a lot of changes in demand structure, et cetera. Um, but uh, cattle right now really are the stories. We tighten up those supplies. And tough economic times that you know we're hearing people talk about when it comes to this pork industry. Yeah, with the pork industry, what we saw was a, an abundance surplus of supply. And a lot of that was tied also to worries about how Prop 12 was going to leave us with an oversupply. And then we had the door open for all, everything that they could purchase before July 1. They could use over the next six months. So they bought up these large supplies. And the other 49 states are, uh-oh, we didn't know they were going to be doing that. Now we're tight on supply. Um, so now you got California that's got all the supply they're using up over the next six months. The other uh, retailers are trying to catch up. Eventually, it's all going to even out. And we're still going to deal with the problems of Prop 12. And so the market kind of realizing it right now, we've got very good fundamentals. All that right. won't last. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. All right. Arlen Suderman is joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.